Well, hello, church. Welcome to worship. I'm so glad you're with us uh, as we continue to do the Internet services online. Uh, at the same time, every Sunday, we will do our in-person service at the Naples Grand Resort and Hotel at 4 p.m. on Sunday so that if you're in town and are feeling up to it, we would love to see you there as well. But we are going to continue to do the Internet services as we go forward so that you can have an opportunity to worship with us. So let's bow before the Lord and ask him to bless this service. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the blessings in our lives. I thank you for our church. I thank you for the commitment of the people. Father, and now, Lord, we ask you as we, as we move forward with our worship service to bless this service, bless the sermon. Let it be your words, Lord, not the words from a man, but the words inspired through the Holy Spirit. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So we are continuing our ongoing series studying the unseen forces around us, the unseen world around us. As we know, it's filled with both good and evil forces. And we've studied the evil forces of both Satan uh, and the demonic forces. And now this week, we're going to study the angelic forces that are also surround us, that are all around us all the time. And we need to understand what God is doing with that. And so that's the nature of this, of this lesson. So just as Lucifer was once an angel created for good, today there are many unseen beings known as angels advancing the kingdom of God. Now there are three types of angels mentioned in the Bible. They are the cherubim, the seraphim, and quote, living creatures, end quote. They guarded the entrance to the Garden of Eden when God shut the garden down. They stood there and we recognize that as they guarded the Garden of Eden, that God also is enthroned above them. Uh, as they sit there at the, at the throne of God, these beings were right below God and effectively guarding the throne of God. Now it's interesting, when God told the people of Israel to prepare the Ark of the Covenant, he directed them to put cherubim on both sides of the ark. Um, and if you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 25, verse 22. And this is in the instructions from God to the Israelites as to building the ark. Verse 22 says, There above the cover, between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the testimony, I will meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. So effectively, God was replicating what takes place in heaven. Right there with the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant, right there, he would meet with them and speak to them in person. Now, seraphim are only mentioned once in the Bible, uh, and they appear in Isaiah chapter 6, where they continually worship the Lord and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And you know, that's where Isaiah is convicted that I am an unclean man. Uh, and he sees this vision, this prophetic vision of the seraphim. Now the Bible mentions uh, these entities often, and so we need to ground our understanding of scripture and theology based on the Bible. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 24, after Adam was expelled from the garden, God placed mighty angels at the gate uh, uh, to keep them from getting into the garden, locking it down essentially. Uh, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 2, an angel of the Lord speaks from the burning bush directly to
to Moses. And turn your Bible to that because this is an important uh, position in Scripture. Now, we'll start with verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why this bush does not burn up. And the uh, angel of the Lord spoke to him there, and we know the beginning of the whole process where he would go back to free the Israelites. And so you see, again, angels being used by God, effectively the messengers of God, delivering the word of God to those of us here on earth who need to have an understanding of what God wants us to do. Now, Numbers 22 Verse 22 features an angel of the Lord standing on the road to obstruct the way of the prophet Balaam, who was moving away from where he should have been going. Uh, and we know that famous story because the donkey is frightened and will not move forward despite being beaten by the prophet until later his eyes are open to see that there was in fact an angel, an angel sitting there uh, and, and covering that road. And so again, another example of how God uses that. Um, in Judges chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, an angel of the Lord came to Gideon and gave him an encouraging message. Uh, and the message was, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And God would use Gideon then to go and, and be effective in the battle against the enemies of God uh, in a very important battle. Uh, an angel stretched out his hand <coughs> excuse me, to destroy the city of Jerusalem uh, in 2 Samuel 24, verse 16. The angel of the Lord preparing to go and destroy the entire city until God holds back the angel, uh, who at the last minute says, according to the scripture, uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, it is enough, God said to the angel, now stay your hand. So you get an, extent, an understanding of the power of these beings. Now, when the young Israelite Daniel refused to worship the golden idol, uh, you know that he was thrown into the lion's den. And everybody that had ever had that experience was destroyed immediately. But in, in fact, Daniel was protected. And the Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 6 that God sent angels to shut the mouths of the lions. Again, the active messengers of God. And so certainly we find angels in the book of Isaiah. During Isaiah's prophetic vision, he sees the seraphim, he sees these angels thought to be devoted to uninterrupted worship of God uh, with wings that cover their face, that cover their feet, and two with which to fly. So we get a picture of what they look like. Now in Luke chapter 1, we get to see an angel uh, who is named. There's only two angels ever named. One is Gabriel, the other is Michael. And Gabriel is, seems to be the angel that's often referred to as the announcing angel, meaning that when Gabriel comes on the scene, he announces significant events that God has for the people of God. Uh, and so Gabriel was sent uh, to tell Mary, the mother of Jesus, that she would be the mother of Jesus. Uh, and so you see that important role there. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Uh, this is a, a very powerful psalm. And 
uh, so powerful, in fact, that Satan will attempt, will attempt to use it later against Christ. Uh, but Psalm 91, beginning with verse uh, 9, and you get an understanding here of exactly how powerful the angels are, and you get an understanding of how glorious God is and how loving God is, that he would protect us using these beings. Look at Psalm 91, beginning with verse 9. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent because he loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. What a great psalm that is. That should uplift your spirits when you realize that's the veritable promise of God and the fact that he gives the angels responsibility to be with you and to protect you and to care for you in every way so that you would not stumble and that if you fell, that they would be with you to lift you up. In fact, what's amazing is that Satan understands the Bible. He knows these verses. And so when he tempted Jesus, uh, this dark angel says to Jesus, well, throw yourself off the top of the temple because the God has said that he will protect you and lift you up with his angels. And Jesus understood that that would be tempting the Lord, uh, tempting the Lord God. You don't just throw yourself into danger. It's when you walk into danger unexpectedly that God will protect you, but you don't attempt to fling your body off of a high place because of this passage. Uh, and so you see again the role of angels lifting you, protecting you, surrounding you, being with you, organized to deliver the messages of God. Now in Hebrews chapter 12 and Revelation chapter 5, uh, we understand that there are innumerable angels, probably in the order of more than 100 million when you put these two passages together. Uh, and they are organized into ranks, a massive army marching at the command of God. Makes you feel good when you realize this is what's around you, that even though there's evil, there are these greater forces arrayed for God as well. And so even as you hear this message right now, there are angels surrounding you in some capacity. They exist and they are real. And we believe that there are angels because the Bible tells us that there are angels. And so if the Bible is the true word of God, then we believe that they exist. Christians believe in angels, but only because God himself believes in angels. He created angels. He values angels, and therefore, so should we. Now, we don't worship them, but we recognize who they are and that they bow to God the Father and that they are around us, protecting us in every way. And so throughout scripture, we learn much about the state of angels. For instance, 
we, we know that they are created beings by God. They are created uh, and that they possess intelligence. They possess personality. They present, possess power and emotion. Uh, and they don't have physical bodies unless God at periodic times allows them to have a physical body in, in order to interact with us. Um, but angels existed even before heaven and earth were made, and they will exist much later after time is over in this world. They do not reproduce, and they cannot die. They are often described as having a bright light around them when they come into the presence of humans. And so a key role for angels right from the beginning is that of messengers of God. Uh, and serving at God's divine will and pleasure. And so we recognize that uh, even to the extent when Christ sent the Messiah to this world uh, and, and he was born in the manger, we know that angels surrounded the manger. Angels glorified God over Bethlehem. There was a host of angels sitting there and glorifying God at that time. Now, even at the time where Jesus died uh, at the tomb, we know that there were angels there. In fact, when the women came to find him, we know that an angel appeared uh, and said to him, he is not here for he is risen. Now that's Matthew 28, verse six. Now we don't know how these angels looked, but pretty much almost every time angels come onto the scene, the immediate impression of human beings is to be fearful. So in some sense, there must be an examination of power a realistic uh, exemplar of power. I suspect that they are large. Whatever it is, when they come on the scene, people know this is not a regular human being. Uh, and so we understand this. And, and I love that verse in Hebrews chapter 13, verse two, which provides a rationale for all of us to be very wary of when we meet strangers just in case a stranger might in fact be a messenger of God or an angel of God. The quote there is, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. I wanna tell you a little story that is true of my grandmother who was a very godly woman. You know, my grandfather was a pastor, a missionary. And during World War II, my grandmother had three boys in the service, all stationed in very different places in the world, my father and his two brothers. And so they constantly prayed for protection of them. Well, one day in the middle of the war, my grandmother lived in a connected row house. And in order to get to the back door of the house, you would have to traverse a long alley. There was no other way but to come down this alley. And the alley might've been 100 feet long. There was a tall fence on one side and in the house in this very narrow three foot wide alley. And uh, at that alley, at the back door of the house, she saw a knock at the door and she went and it was an old man. And she invited him in uh, and he asked her for something to eat and she gave him something to eat. And then he asked her for three distinct pieces of clothing that each one belonged to one of the boys. And only someone who would be a messenger of God would know that. So something from my father, something from his two brothers. And as my grandmother went to gather this clothing 
to deliver it to him as she walked back, and it's a very small house. And so she would have only had to walk a couple of feet. As she walked back into the kitchen, he disappeared. He wasn't there. She ran outside and looked down the alleyway, this long alleyway, 100 feet long. He's not there. He's disappeared. And so she immediately got on her knees and asked God for confirmation. And the Lord revealed to her heart this was an angel of the, of the Lord who God had sent to her to give her peace, to let her know that her boys were okay, that they were being covered by the protecting cover of God, that there were angels watching them. Now that's how the angels work. So I would say one of the lessons to learn here is be very careful when, when you address people that you don't know and demonstrate hospitality to strangers because the Bible tells us that some of those strangers may in fact be angels. Uh, and I know of other people that, that have had similar experiences. I had a, a, a time to talk to Larry Thompson, the pastor of Fort Lauderdale First Baptist Church, who told me the story of that when he was in a McDonald's one day standing behind an obvious prisoner who had just been released. And they used to give them these invoices, kind of coupons, so that they could get their first meals when they, went, when they got out of jail. They didn't have any money. And so this, this poor man puts forth these coupons and McDonald's people say, we don't honor them anymore. And Larry Thompson, being the kind of guy he was, puts his hand on the, on the man's shoulder and says, don't, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. He's my guest. He pays, he pays for, for dinner for this man. And so Larry is seemingly unaware as he walks out to his car. And, and as he puts his key in the car to get in the car, he said, a gigantic human being. He said, maybe six foot eight, six foot nine, put his hand on his shoulders and said to him, I saw what you did. Well done. The Lord loves you. And Larry said, within a couple seconds, this man disappeared. He disappeared. And so we recognize that God has these magnificent messengers that he sends to uplift us and affirm us and protect us in every possible way. And so also, I want you to recognize that in the last days of this world, in the very last day, angels will be used to protect the natural elements in the last days. And you can see this if you turn to Revelation chapter 7, verse 2. And in that passage it says, Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. So there they are, angels being used even at the last days to protect those people who, who are the remnant, who have not fallen to the Antichrist. So it's important for us to recognize this. Now finally, and this is important, when Christ returns to the Mount of Olives, as he will on that day, he will be accompanied by angels. And you can see this if you turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 9. And this is right after Jesus makes this pronouncement about uh, our responsibility to spread the gospel. He then rises up and ascends into the sky. And then we see, after he, was, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white 
stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And so just as Jesus rose up with angels there at his side, he will return to the Mount of Olives. He will be accompanied by angels and by the way, all of us as well on that day, that critical day when, when the second coming of Christ takes place. Now, angels have a hierarchy. We know this from scripture. Uh, and this is supported by June, Jude chapter nine, when the uh, archangel Michael uh, is referred to there and, and in that passage. It's a very, very interesting passage in Jude, Jude verse nine. It, it tells us about the archangel Michael effectively fighting and wrestling with Lucifer over the body of Moses. Now, we don't really have a clear understanding why that was taking place, but if I've prayed about it, and I think the reason why Lucifer wanted the body of Moses is he recognized the propensity of the Jewish people towards idolatry. And just like they worshiped the brass serpent, most likely if they had the body of Moses, they would have worshiped the body of Moses. And nobody worships anything but God under the God's will. And so God didn't want the body of Moses to be around so that the Jewish people would be uh, susceptible to idolatry. And so uh, Michael took that body of Moses and hid that body of Moses so that even to this day, no one knows where that body is. Now we know that Michael is referred to as one of the chief princes, the archangel. Uh, he's called the chief prince in Daniel chapter 10. And he will appear to lead God's angelic army uh, as discussed to us in Revelation chapter 12. And so when we return as an army, Michael will be the leader of the angelic forces. And so the mission of, of the angels is widespread. Uh, they are attending, they are encouraging, they are submitting, they are advocating, they are guarding, they are speaking, and they are ministering all on behalf of God himself for us. They are recruiters and they are rescuers. They are comforters and they are communicators. Their mission is to worship God and to accomplish his will in every possible way. Now we learn in Psalm 103 that in addition to worshiping, uh, the angels are also warriors, mighty beings fighting for the will of God. Let's take a look at that just so we, we get some additional information. Look at Psalm 103, verse 20. Praise the Lord, you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you, his servants, who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. So you see this, these mighty warriors waiting, beckoning on behalf of God himself in every possible way. Um, and so there are several ministries, several ministries of angels as it relates to human beings. The first angelic ministry of angels uh, can be referred to minute observation. They observe, they observe on behalf of God. They are watching. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9, talks us about this aspect of, of angels. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9. 
For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession like men condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to men. Now think about that. Why would God put us on display to the angels? And I believe it's because he's proving something to the angels. He's demonstrating the magnificence and holiness of himself. Because here it is, they saw man being created. And as they saw man being created, they saw him fall at the Garden of Eden. And so they know all of the warts that human beings have. And yet they see that there is an element who have submitted to God, who have turned their lives over to God, just as the apostles did. And as they do that, we have become, as scripture says there, spectacles in their eyes, meaning they are astonished. They are astonished at what the power of God could do with these vessels of clay. It must be an incredible uh, message for them to watch. And so they're watching over us now. They're looking at our actions. They're looking at our reactions. Just as they're surrounding us and delivering messages and protecting us at the same time, they look to see how we act and God delivers a message even to them through us, through our own actions. You need to be aware of that. Uh, and this is not just in what you say, it's how you, how you handle yourself through adversity. You are being watched by what I would call the messengers of the universe. And so the, the angels also offer a ministry of guidance in our lives. In scriptures, the guidance uh, often shows up in a supernatural direction or in passing from this life to eternal life. And let me say that. Now, it's pretty clear from Scripture that when you pass from this life to the next life, at that moment, at that, that very difficult moment, God sends angels who effectively take you from this life and bring you to heaven. Now, uh, I believe often that the angels will mask themselves in some way so that it appears that it might be a relative from the past or someone that was close to you, but in effect, it's really the angels that are doing that and, and submitting to the will of God to bring us home. And I told you several times that I had that experience with my mother, my own mother, when she was dying uh, and had been in a coma for weeks. And finally, as the family was around her and I put my hand on my mother's forehead and I said, dear Lord, uh, please, Father, this woman has been a marvelous mother, a great wife, a great missionary to the church, Father. Please end her suffering and now wrap her in your arms, Lord. Take her in your arms and take her home right now, Father. We, we bow before your throne and we ask you to intervene. And at that very moment, and my wife was there, my son was there, my sister and her husband were there around the bed. My mother opened her eyes for the first time in weeks looked at the ceiling and had an incredible smile on her face. And at that moment, just at that very moment, I'm certain that God took her in the angel's arms, wrapped her and took her from this life to the next and she was gone, just like that. She was gone. That is what God does with angels. That's what God does with us, how he protects us and loves us even at these very dark moments that we're not really, um, really have full understanding. But the Bible tells us this. This is what the, what the role of the angels are that God uses to do his full will. And so another ministry afforded 
to believers is in the matter of protection. And we've seen this. God protects us using angels. They are guardian angels. Um, and we see this in Daniel chapter 6 in the lion's den. And so there they are protecting us. Now, uh, you know, I'm, I, it's not like the movie It's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart and the goofy angel Clarence, you remember, who was on probation. Um, and it was almost as if Clarence was the guardian angel of Jimmy Stewart. Now, God doesn't assign one angel to be with you for your life, but he assigns angels over a period of time to various responsibilities. And so this is a great comfort to us as believers that God would send out these ministering angels to serve us. Uh, and turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to those who will inherit salvation? I mean, I think that says it so well. They're ministering spirits sent to those who will inherit salvation. You've given your heart to Jesus Christ. You've given your heart to the Lord. Rest assured that God is going to protect you. No ill will come to you that is not within the will of God. And, and to guarantee that he has ministering protective angels that are assigned to be around you. They are very powerful, these angels. They are certainly greater in power and might than human beings. Second Peter chapter two tells us that. Uh, they use their, their power to fight demonic forces. All this is going on in the unseen world around us. Uh, during our earthly lives, we are slightly lower than the angels, according to Hebrews chapter two, verse seven. But as powerful as angels are, when Jesus returns, the followers of Christ will be raised higher than the angels. We, in fact, will be placed in a position where we will be judging the angels. It's incredible that God would do this to us, these human beings uh, in these vessels of clay. But that's how much God loves us. And so angels serve as examples for us. They show us what perfect obedience and submission looks like. Also, angels are a model of worship. Uh, John sees them around God's throne, a great angelic army, worshiping and bowing before God, myriad and myriads of angels bowing and singing and worshiping him 24 hours of day, saying in a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, and blessings. Yes, that is our God. Yes, that is our Lord Jesus. And just then, just as the angels, these created beings of power and might, these messengers from God, these protective agents of God sit there and effectively bow before God and worship him, you have a comfort to know that those very beings are protecting you at the will of God, surrounding you in every way, lifting you up and affirming you and speaking God's will into your life. Let us be more attuned to the spirit world. Let us understand that there's so much going on that we can't see, but we rely on this book that makes it very clear that these unseen beings fully account to God, that they are around us constantly, even though we may not see them, but they are there protecting, guiding us, leading us, uh, giving us the word of God, delivering the message of God for us. 
And so knowing that that takes place, it is a comfort to me, even as I recognize that there are dark forces, but that the good forces far outnumber the dark forces. And in the end, we know that God wins. Jesus defeated Satan at the cross. And so all these dark forces will effectively eventually be put into the lake of fire. But we, as we stand with God himself and Jesus Christ, we will stand at the throne of God. We will stand there with Jesus Christ in that day, with our family, with our friends, who have all given themselves over to the cross of Jesus Christ. What a message of hope this is, that you should leave here today recognizing that God has done this for you, that he loves you this much, that he would protect you every day of your life, even as you walk in this world. Let's close this message with a prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the fact that you've created angels, Lord. I thank you also that you've delivered this word to us, that we understand what it means to be sold out to you in salvation and how you protect us in every day, every way, every step of our lives. None of us will ever injure ourselves because, Lord, when we are walking with you, you will lift us up and protect us as long as we walk in your way. Father, continue to bless this church. Continue to lead this church towards the cross of Christ, Father. Continue to inspire us and continue to bring us back to study your word every week, week after week. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you, church. We love you.